Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek. This week, what is your weather data worth? Ah, but before we get to that, hope your weather's been good. Hope it's been pleasant. Yeah. Again, we're in that transition season in a lot of places. Some places getting a little warmer, some places getting a little colder. Some places doing just the opposite of what they're supposed to. Now, when I last left you, we were talking about iota. And if iota didn't just want to make a name for itself, I'm not going to put a gender pronoun on it, went out and turned into the strongest hurricane of the season so far. Category five. That's what, you know, of scale one to five we use here in the Atlantic Basin. But it's kind of unusual that we would get to that. And actually, I saw a note somewhere else. It may, it, it thankfully weakened a little bit before it came ashore, but still a Category 4 storm, incredible winds, rains, storm surge, etc. But what may have been more devastating is the storm went almost directly landfall-wise to the same location as, I think it was Ada from just a couple of weeks ago. Also made landfalls category four storm, and that's that's relatively unheard of. I, I put a little link in the show notes. Um, I guess Capital Weather Gang at Washington Post wrote up a little something about that. And yes, storms have made landfall near one another before, but the odds on something like that, yeah, just I don't know. Gambling man would probably always bet against that, but you know it's like thousand year floods, and you can get them back to back. It's just highly unlikely they would happen. But And it's not just the location. It's that they were two intense storms. And, you know, I think back to, like, the 2017 hurricane season when we had, you know, a couple track through the Caribbean. And they were close to each other. Um, I think it was Maria and I don't know if it was Irma, which other storm it was, that the tracks are fairly close to one another at one point in time. But never like to see that stuff. I mean, it it's hard to bounce back from these things sometimes. So... Hopefully, uh, this area will get some needed assistance so that they can put their lives back together. And I haven't seen a you know toll and death count wise, but hopefully it was minimal. Uh, a lot of times we don't get those until you can read the summaries. And actually, you can. The, the National Hurricane Center here in the U.S. does a good storm write-up each year. And you kind of have to wait for the details. But they, they cover a lot of this information if you're ever interested in that. Uh, hit me up. Let me know. I, I can send you a link. I don't know that I'm going to put it in the show notes. But it's something for people that find um, events like that uh, part of uh, maybe history studies for them and are intrigued to know and learn more about what the outcomes of these sort of things are because you know those sort of things do get lost in whatever current events are because you know our attention turns to other things but it doesn't mean it's not meaningful information now that triggered i'm going to put my soapbox out here and stand up on it for a little while you guys know i do this every now and then came across a word in a headline related to a weather story provocative now, when I see a word like provocative, well, I think of the word provocative as being provocative, actually. Just a quick definition, causing annoyance, anger, or another strong reaction, especially deliberately. Now, this had to do, this word was used, and you can see I'm not giving you the actual article. I, smart people can go and do a Google search and figure it out. 
had to do with the way hurricanes were named this season. And it gets back to the whole thing I was talking about last week with Zeta not really being the end of the alphabet. But historically, and, and this is a good example, Iota being example, Category 5 storm could have been very devastating in this region. There might be a reason to retire this name, right, that we've done. So what do you do? Now we've retired a Greek letter. Now that, that will probably be a little confusing going forward. And so the idea put forth is something that happens in other basins. And for those of you who don't follow this, a lot of the other you know, ocean regions around the world where they track the names, they just have a list one, two, three, four, five. They don't assign it necessarily to a year. And if they get through one of the lists, they just start the next list. And this is not surprising in a basin like the Northwest Pacific where they tend to have more storms each year. So going past the end of one list makes a lot of sense. Now, why that's provocative... I don't know, suggesting that we do the same thing here. Instead of having list attached to a year, right, we just do one list and then you go to the next. Now, the suggestion in there also was if you get to the next list, the following year you start it a letter wherever you left off, right? So you, you really never end. It, it's kind of instead of thinking is the season ending, you just pick up where the last one left off. Now, why that's provocative, I don't know. Is it different? Sure. Might some feathers get ruffled for some reason or another? Sure. But they were this person who was writing up was referring to someone else who had made some comments, I think on Twitter, but this person also it, this that had been talking about it is on a, another weather podcast that, that I've mentioned in the past. And, and they kind of had a back and forth exchange in, in the context of this article, which is what a disadvantage you see. And the person said none in particular, Right. But then the person writing the article went to talk about change is difficult. Well, if change is difficult, then that's a disadvantage. Right. So, I, you know, it's either but none of it's provocative to me. I, I was struck by the word, the use of the word. So I didn't think it was provocative. I don't know why anybody else would necessarily think that's provocative other than we don't like change. And yes. Changing it would require changes in the way we think about things for those used to the storms in this area. Although we don't get to the Greek alphabet that often, so I don't know that changing it would be that big a deal. It would actually probably be a bigger deal for people on the back end, and I know this from coding around these naming systems before. Actually, I don't like the use of names because you kind of have to know what the name list is. So if I could actually build a ongoing name list that just circles back to whatever and know what the names are and just have to punch new names in and out as they're retired. Actually, that might be easier for me in some ways. I wouldn't have to update it each year and go, okay, what's this year's list, et cetera, right? So in some ways, I see that as easier, and maybe there is no disadvantage at all. I, I like the idea of, of getting away from the Greek alphabet. I don't think it's provocative. I don't like anybody else would necessarily think it's provocative, <laughs> but whatever. Okay, soapbox away. Let's get into the topic, all right? Let's get talking about data. Now, this week, this week, there's a event going on with the World Meteorological Organization. It's just called the Data Conference. But the talk about data has changed and evolved a lot in the last couple of years. And you may ask me why. Well, pretty straightforward reason why is that we're seeing more sources, and I've mentioned some of these before, of what I would call private data, right? Or commercially generated data, data that's not coming from a government source, if you will. And I, I don't care whether that's US or Europe or whatever it is, but it's coming from a new source. 
And these companies aren't in the business of doing it for goodwill. I mean, sometimes they are funded by government funding, right? But generally speaking, their goal is to make some profit. Now, that doesn't mean that everything they're doing is in the weather data world. But the conversation, like I said, is getting to, okay, how do we make sure that there's data available for the entities that need it and at a reasonable price, right? Versus those that want to do commercial enterprise things. And and to me, they can coexist. It is two different things. What you might need to develop a good hurricane system to help states prepare and evacuate people or whatever it is, or tornado alert systems can be very different from commercial ones looking at a wider array of clientele and situations that they're trying to deal with. So in that context, we start talking about, well, what's the value of that? And this is not a new topic, right? You've heard me mention before that in the U.S. and Europe, it's already handled differently. So in the U.S., it's pretty simple. If I know that the U.S. generates uh, rainfall data or temperature data or whatever it is, as long as I kind of figure out where the servers are, I can point to it and get that data. And Europe's kind of the opposite. So Europe, to get access to the European model's data, right? I have to generally pay for that access unless there, there are situations. There's an exchange of data between governments, right? But let's say just me, I'm trying and have done this before, worked in a commercial enterprise generating products for paying clients. So we had to pay for that data. Now, I didn't always agree with the model and the cost, but I didn't necessarily think it was wrong for them to say, hey, we generate something we think is high quality. You're not using it in, you know, as one of our member states being in Europe, and you're not using it as a way to, you know, do these prescribed things where we do it, or even in a research setting, because we could get access to the same data maybe not the real-time systems always, but if you were doing research at school, so I, I, was, I would be literally maybe at one moment working with servers at school that had access to the data that they didn't pay for and may in another, the next day, maybe doing private stuff that where we had to pay for the data, right? And to me, both can coexist, but, but it's always been a point of contention. And... I don't know why it would be any different when we start getting these private enterprises if they do the right sort of contracts, as long as they're making money the way that their model works, they could probably coexist with that as well. So the idea, in theory, in theory, again, maybe this is more provocative, should exist, but I've heard these heated exchanges going about. And, and part of this gets around particularly as we're seeing these new CubeSats you've heard me mention before, these different ways of getting data that we haven't traditionally used in the past. And all of a sudden, there's this belief that magically, you know, there should be this great gift of that data to, let's say, government agencies or researchers. And I, my, my guess is those companies probably work with people in those contexts and probably are willing to. Let's just say as a researcher, if I'm company Y and I want the value of what I have shown out there, I'm going to probably work with researchers to publish on on the data because if I think it's good, I'm going to do that. 
Because then I have value and I can point to that article and say, see, this independent source said we did good things and now pay me for, for what I've got that I think of as a value. But how does that affect you as an individual? So let's, let's get away from these companies and just assume for a moment that those two worlds can coexist. How does it affect you, right? Your weather data. And recently, there's been a settlement and, and, and maybe a, t- a little subtitle here. This is something that's almost a little different would be how much is your weather forecast worth, right? There, there was a settlement between IBM and the city of Los Angeles over the Weather Channel app, which those that don't know, Weather Channel, the digital content is now owned by IBM, okay? And the app being part of that, where IBM was collecting location data to feed ads through their app or whatever to you. Now, this isn't unlike many things we use, whether it's Google slash Gmail, whatever Google's products, whether it's different, a variety of services that you might use where essentially you provide A and in return you get B. Now, this is not a new thing. Everybody likes to write this into the digital age. But for those of us who have been on this planet for a while, we plenty of us have received mail flyers from companies that say, here's... Credit card X, it's associated with airline Y. Well, how did they find out? Well, that's because, you know, company A sold data to company B or grocery stores that give you discounts on products and they track everything you buy. Trust me, everybody's tracking everything we're doing out there because they get value out of that exchange and in concept, they give you value for it. Now, the rub's always been, and there was even a candidate for president early on out here in the U.S. this year that ran on the idea of you being compensated for your data. Now, I would argue that in some way that we are already being compensated, and and Gmail would be another example of that. I use Gmail, and I get the value of this free service, but in return, they're getting tracking information about what I'm doing, right? They're They're getting value out of that. Again, you could argue, is it worth it, and how do we really know? Well, I don't know that you can unless you go through the exercise of putting a value on your data or your weather forecast, giving people like IBM, in that case, location data. And the settlement was more about just making it more upfront as to what they're getting from you. It wasn't saying you can't do it. And we get into this whole thing. Do you prefer targeted ads versus generic ads? I mean, if you really don't want people to know what you're doing, there are ways to turn the tracking off to turn the location services off. Is the quality of what you're getting going to be as good? No, probably not. So in return for a better forecast, conceptually, and hopefully ads that don't drive you nuts, that make a little more sense for what you're doing, you get a weather forecast that you think is of good quality or better for you than just going to, for instance, weather.gov and pulling a regular forecast down or wherever you're, whatever country you're in, pulling a local forecast from your government agency. Because you can do that, you know. And for a lot of things you do, that may be of enough value. So maybe you don't open the apps as often. Now, I'm going to keep opening the apps. Because I like, well, I like that stuff in general anyways. But I think about that context. And I don't do it just with my weather data or my weather forecast. I do it with everything. Right? It's like, I think there should be a way always to make it easy to understand. That part I agree with. What it is they're getting from you who they might be providing it to, what's actually provided. And yes, there's always an element of trust because you never really know. I mean, we've seen cases where that's been abused. There's no doubt. 
But at some point I might say, nah, it's not worth it, right? What you're giving me in return isn't worth for what I'm giving to you because it's not just the context, and this is what we lose sight of, I think, sometimes is I'm not just getting it so they can give me something back immediately, but somewhere they're taking that data and they're doing a bigger crunch. And this is where I think we're going to start maybe seeing a shift. And whether data, I don't know that it's quite there yet, but let me give you context in something else I've mentioned lately. So you've heard me mention this Medio Tracker device, right? And one of the things they have in their Kickstarter campaign is a way to buy the pre or to get the premium data forever. Now, all of them, as my exchange with one of the people involved in the project is, your data will always be available to you. But the premium data gives you access to other people's data. You may not know who they are, but you, you get to see that data all over the place. And that may be a value to you, right? But that means they got it from you initially to begin with. And what I haven't seen, you know, I'd like them to see on their website is a little more description of what data they are taking and how are they using that data. Because I think this device is just an example. Our phones, as we've discussed before, have the capability, most of them, to give you atmospheric pressure data. And in the past, more of them had more weather kind of components to them. That's kind of fallen off a little bit, actually. But I think we're going to see more and more of that. You're going to see weather instrumentation built into cars built into, you know, whether it's your phone or whatever device you're carrying around. Now, we have a long way to go to get to the point where we'll understand whether you're inside or outside a building and how that might affect the readings, but we'll get there. May not be tomorrow, may not be next year, but it may be within five to ten years. So at some point, everywhere you go, and it's not just weather data, it's every data, but that weather data is going to become a big thing. Imagine you're going down the street, you've got a little device tells you what's going on, and it's the right temperature or the right amount of clouds or whatever it is to buy lemonade. Okay. So you go buy lemonade and it's not just you three or four or five or six other people go and make a lemonade purchase and whoever's bringing all that data together starts to analyze and see, Oh, under these conditions, actually the, we've always thought it was X, but it's really Y when people want to buy lemonade and they can start selling that to advertisers or people who make the lemonade. And they're getting value at it out of that process that may not have been perceived otherwise. So where's your cut, right? Well, the answer might be then you get a lemonade ad. Well, maybe I don't want to be forced to think about lemonade. I mean, but that's how advertising works, right? I mean, again, advertising is what's paid for, paid for television that we watched for years and radio that we listened to for years. And everyone sort of tolerated that. But as this data becomes more sophisticated, is that exchange fair? And I think that's what you're going to have to ask yourself. Because like I said, the reality is coming that kind of everywhere we go, we're feeding information back into systems that it doesn't have to be attached to your name. That, that is the beauty of it. And hopefully all those things will get better in time that it is truly anonymous data. But the value of what you're giving them Maybe it does get to where they ought to just give you the device, and maybe they will. But right now, they control the cards, in my humble opinion, because we don't fully understand how they're using the data. But anybody who's kind of watched the last 10 years can see how things have become more targeted. And we've seen this with social media and other things where it used to be you just had a timeline, you got random ads, and then the next thing you know, you sort of got ads of things that you were just thinking about. You probably typed it somewhere or something like that or asked 
you know, one of your smart devices about it. But that being said, we're improving. It, it's the data that's just as critical to the algorithms being able to do, spit out what they spit out on the other side. It's our data that we're giving them. So whether it's that data or your weather data, and I do think we're still a few years away, but if we can get down to the minutia of where weather data is feeding in and we can truly analyze how that influences what one, I think the research that could come out of that would be incredible just on some of the topics we've talked about before. But you're going to have to ask yourself, with all your data, weather just being one part of it, what's it worth to you? What do you get in exchange? And is that a worthwhile trade? And hopefully at some point there'll be a system that, you know, shows you that this is what you're giving. And, and again, they're not going to assign a value on it for you. You're going to have to assign that value. Because everybody wants to keep, you know, the upper hand in this process, have the negotiation power. But you're going to have to decide. Would you just give it away willingly? What do you want in return? You know? with weather and everything else. I don't know. It's just kind of a thought episode, I guess, because I think we're getting to that point, and I don't think it's going to start with weather data, but at some point your weather data is going to be thrown in that mix. It has already, like I said, kind of started with your weather forecast. What's a better weather forecast worth to you? And maybe 90% of the time it's not, but maybe the 10% of the time it's worth giving the data all the time to get that exchange. It's a call we got to make. I know most of us are just going to mindlessly go about it and just let it happen, whatever it is. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'll take a moment and step back and put some values on things and decide what it's worth to you. Because I ain't weather, you know, it's important to me. So it may not be weather to you. It might be what's your sports viewing data worth, right? Or what's your shopping data worth, whatever it is. Find, maybe find the subject that's important to you if it's not weather. And go through the exercise of starting to think about what that weather's, what that data is worth to you, even when it's in good hands. And I, I, you know, hackers aside, and all the the bad use of data. Well, I'm not getting into. I'm not trying to tackle that issue. But we've so gotten used to these things have kind of just sort of crept into the way we do things. And I think it's good every now and then to step back and say, "Ooh, what do people know?" And I recommend doing that with everything. I mean, Google's actually made it pretty easy. You can go in and see what data they have. And, and Amazon has more and more as well. Now, their hands have been kind of pushed to do that. But I think some of them have done a pretty good job of putting that data forward and showing you what's out there. You may not fully understand how they use it, but then it's your call. You can make the decision to use it or not. And so far, the benefit with like a Google is if I delete all my data, they don't tend to get mad at me for using their products. Because I'm one of the few people that's actually in there doing that. Now, I think if everybody did that to them, eh, it might be a different story. We'll see. We'll see. Interesting times. Great advancements. But as with all things, I think we all want, we want to know that if I give you A, I get B in return, and we feel like it's fair trade, right? Don't think that's unreasonable. I don't know. Let me know what you think. What is it about the weather? gmail.com what is about the weather on Twitter or of course you can hit me Mark underscore Jelinek underscore I don't like that someone you know what it is though on Twitter as well all right 
hopefully, like I said, we're done with IOTA, right? Hopefully, IOTA is the last. But don't assume that it is, right? There, There is talk of a little more activity going on in the Atlantic. We're, you know, we're to the holiday season. I know we're many places around the globe are dealing with a, some drastic upticks in, in COVID. The weather doesn't necessarily make that process any easier. But hopefully, hopefully during as we wrap up 2020 and the news of vaccines coming, we can all get back to seeing maybe 2021 in a way that's a little more normal who we are. But no matter, no matter what we turn into going forward, it is going to look different. Big events like this, global events like this, shift us, change us, make us think differently. And that includes the weather, maybe includes how you think about your weather data. So as you're out there doing your thing, as we wrap up the end of the year and we're in holiday season and everything else, may you have a moment where weather finds its way, weaves itself into something that you hadn't really thought about before. And you can go, aha, because as we all know, There's much more weather than the weather itself.